Hello, and welcome to the New Life Lutheran Podcast, where new life in Christ is celebrated, and we explore together how to live the Christian life with excellence. Thanks for listening today. You can find our podcast at nllutheranpodcast.com. You can also subscribe on Podbean, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Play Music. If you have any questions for Pastor Eric or would like to suggest topics for our podcast, you can email him at eric.anderson, that's E-R-I-K dot A-N-D-E-R-S-O-N at nllutheran.com. Let's get growing. The science is steady, so presence by Our scripture lesson this morning comes to us from 1 Corinthians, the 7th chapter. To the rest I say, I and not the Lord, that if any believer has a wife who is an unbeliever and she consents to live with him, he should not divorce her. And if any woman has a husband who is an unbeliever and he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is made holy through his wife and the unbelieving wife is made holy through her husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean. But as it is, they are holy. But if the unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. In such a case, the brother or sister is not bound. It is to peace that God has called you. Wife, for all you know, you might save your husband. Husband, for all you know, you might save your wife. The word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. Well, I am uh, Pastor Ben, and it is my, my honor this morning to share God's word with you. Now, I have been at New Life for almost three and, and a half years, and I've really grown to, to love New Life, love the people of New Life, love what New Life is about. And one of my favorite things about New Life is that we aren't afraid to have the hard conversations. We're not afraid to have the hard conversations. And we're not afraid to, to make you make hard decisions and move forward in your relationship with Christ. And the reason that we aren't afraid of that is because God's not afraid of that. God has hard conversations with us. He wants us to do hard things because he loves us and cares for us. Now you can see that in many, many different ways here at New Life, but I think one of the premier ways that you can see us really wanting people to do hard things to get really good results is when it comes to our our wedding ceremonies. Now you might not know this, but if you want to get married at New Life, you actually have to commit to taking a, a six week marriage prep course to get ready for marriage to do the hard things to get the good results because we want people to be ready. We love them too much to just throw them into marriage. We want them to be prepared and equipped to have a great marriage, a good marriage. So we sit down and we have these conversations. We talk about what is marriage. We talk about what does God have to say about marriage. And we actually spend a lot of time talking about something that I call the invisible backpack. Now, if you're married, you probably actually know what this is. You've just never used those terms before. You see, I have come to learn in my life, and you've come to learn in your life if you're married, that we all carry around an invisible backpack. And it looks a little bit like this. You go on your first date. You have your backpack, but it's kind of hidden in the back. You don't want to show it off. You don't want to talk about it. Because on first date, you want to make the best impression possible, right? So you, you wear your nicest clothes. You get your hair 
done so it looks really, really good, right? Or guys, you comb your hair for the first time in weeks, things like that. Or you wear your best baseball hat, whatever that is. And then you take the girl or you take the guy to a really nice restaurant, one you wouldn't normally frequent because it costs too much money. And you put your best foot forward trying to get the second date, right? Well, then the second date comes and the third date and everything's going well. And you move all the way to the point that you feel like you want to spend the rest of your life with this person. So you propose and they say yes, because they want the exact same thing. And then you get to your wedding day. You walk down the aisle, you come up in front of everybody, you say some vows. Then the pastor says, I now pronounce you man and wife. And he introduces you and you walk away and everyone's applauding. You have this great big party. And then it's the next day. And the next day is different than the day before Because now you just made these vows that for better or worse, they're going to stick with you, which means for the first time you can be the real you. And that's when the invisible backpack comes out, which is filled with all of the realities of who we are and the expectations that we have about marriage and what we thought marriage should look like, but we never really said what we thought it should look like. It's those types of things. And some of them are pretty small, right? You go in and, and it's just like a small little thing. And uh, it's, it's things like this. Maybe um, for the first time, your wife realizes that you actually aren't that neat. You just cleaned up your apartment really well when she came over because you wanted to impress her. And now there's dirty underwear everywhere. And it's an annoyance, but you get through it, right? It's just one of those, those small things. Or maybe it's something like this. Uh, you have been watching the Cubs play with your spouse for a long, long time, but all of a sudden it's okay. You can say it. You prefer the Cardinals and it becomes an issue or maybe it's something even, even bigger, right? It's, it's one of those things that you've been too embarrassed to talk about, but now that you're married, it's, it's going to come out. They're going to find out. And maybe it's something like this. Maybe you haven't been good with managing your money. Maybe it's some credit card debt. Now that you're combining all your, your resources and your assets, it becomes very obvious when you go to buy that house that, oh no, there's been some mismanagement and you brought that into the marriage and it becomes maybe a little bigger issue. Sometimes it's even a bigger issue than that. It becomes something that really affects like your, your core values, right? Who you are in the deepest part of your soul, your belief system. Sometimes it's things like this. You have been watching Fox News with your spouse or your fiance day after day after day after day. And all of a sudden you sit down in your brand new house and you flip it to CNN. She's very confused by this. You begin to tell her that you actually prefer to vote for people with a D next to their name than an R. And that creates tension at least every two to four years, right? It becomes kind of an issue. Or sometimes... It's the biggest core value that anyone can have. It's your faith. It's your belief in Christ. And all of a sudden, after you've walked down that aisle, you realize that your spouse isn't committed in their relationship with Christ like you are. Or maybe they don't even have a relationship with Christ at all. And that's hard. And that's difficult. You see, as we started this series, I I proposed something to you. I said, ask any question that you wish you could ask Jesus. And because of the reality of life and because of the reality of this invisible backpack and and my working with couples before they get married, I wasn't that surprised when one of the questions that kept popping up time and time again was, how do I help 
my spouse believe? You see, for a Christian, this is more than just convenience. It's more than just, wouldn't it be nice if everything in our backpack matched and we had all those commonalities? You see, for a Christian, this has eternal consequences. You see, we want to marry somebody and spend the rest of our life with them. But we also want to spend the rest of our eternity with them. And we know this, this amazing truth that the God of the universe wants to have a relationship with us. But if we don't want to have a relationship with him, he's not going to force us into heaven. He's not going to force us into an eternal relationship with him. Which means that for some of us, we'll be separated from our spouse for all eternity. And that's very, very, very difficult for us. So I want to set the stage I want you to imagine it's yesterday morning, it's Saturday morning, and for you, you love Saturday mornings because the work week is over, the stress has just kind of fallen off your shoulders, and you can just kind of forget it for at least a couple days. And the other reason you love Saturday mornings is because in your house, you are the one who likes to get up early, and everyone else sleeps in, which means that for two to three hours, you get to just do whatever you want to do. And so it's one of those Saturday mornings and you get up, everyone is sound asleep. And so you decide to walk down to the local coffee shop and you walk down there and you open up the door and you look at your favorite booth. And for the last number of weeks, Jesus has been sitting in that booth and it's been great. See, every time you've walked in, he's waved his hand, he's beckoned you over. He's, he's answered one of your questions. So you're kind of hoping that would be the reality today. But this time when you walk in, you look over, he's not there which you feel kind of sad about it, but it's an okay day still. So you go get yourself a coffee, you get yourself a muffin, and you decide just to take a nice walk next to the river. So you go down there and you're just enjoying yourself. You're listening to the birds flying and the water rushing by and just enjoying all the sounds of nature. And then all of a sudden, someone taps you on the shoulder. And so you look and it's Jesus. And he says, may I walk with you? And you say, of course. And you chit-chat for a little bit, right? Just kind of shooting the breeze. And all of a sudden, there's kind of a lull in the conversation. And so you ask him the question that's been weighing on your heart. You say, Jesus, how do I help my spouse believe? And he looks at you and says, I I have the perfect answer for you. But I can't really take credit for these words. It actually comes from the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul, he was a, a great missionary. In fact, probably the greatest missionary the world has ever seen. And so he really has a great response for you. So I'm going to actually quote to you the section out of 1 Corinthians, I don't have my Bible, we're on a walk after all, but I'm going to quote to you the scripture, and I think Paul's going to answer your question for you. And so Jesus begins to talk, and this is what he says. To the rest, I say. So as we step into 1 Corinthians, this letter written by Paul to this, this church in Corinth, he starts off by saying, to the rest, I say, which gives us a pretty good idea that he said something already. In fact, what we've missed just before this is is Paul's long philosophy on marriage. And what Paul begins to unveil is really his two ideals for marriage. But before we get there, we really have to understand who Paul is. Paul is a missionary. Every second, every moment, every conversation in his life, he uses it as a tool to share the good news of Christ. That is what he's about, and that's what he wants us to to be about. And so he begins to, to share his philosophy of marriage from that understanding. He says the, the first ideal for marriage is actually 
don't get married. Now, this kind of throws us off in our modern world. Like, wait, 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 Paul, what does this mean? Now, we have to understand Paul. See, the reason Paul would say this is, when you get married, you take on certain responsibilities and, and certain distractions, right? You have a wife and, and you might have kids or you might adopt some kids and, and you're worried about those things in life. Paul says, hey, if you can stay single and you can devote 100% of your life to the mission of Christ, that would be Paul's ideal. In fact, Paul says, that's God's ideal. And then he goes on to the second one. He says, but most of you won't be able to do that. Most of you won't be able to do that because you'll fall in love passions will stir and you will find a spouse. And for that, Paul says, find a good Christian spouse because then your marriage can be a shining example of Christ in the world. And you can pass your faith down to the kids. You can pass your faith down to the next generation. But then Paul says this to the rest, right? To those who don't fit in in category one or category two to the rest. This is what I want to say to you. And so he continues. I and not the Lord. So he throws in this little statement. Now, this is significant. You see, before when he's talking about ideal one and two, he says, actually, this is from the Lord and not from me. And now what he's saying is, I'm about to share something that has never been shared before. In other words, it, it hasn't been in the Old Testament yet. And Jesus didn't say it. So he's saying, this is something new. This is new scripture. This is new truth that has never been shared before. And then he begins to share it. That if any believer has a wife who is an unbeliever, and she consents to live with him, he should not divorce her. So Paul says, guys, listen up. If you have a wife who doesn't hold that same chorus of core values with her, and you're married, stay with her. Now, we have to understand the culture, why this is so significant. You see, in that culture, divorce was incredibly easy incredibly easy. In fact, you didn't have to go to court. All you had to say was, I divorce you, I divorce you, I divorce you. And it was dissolved. It was dissolved. It was incredibly easy. And people would get divorced over anything like spilled milk situations, right? Just the smallest of thing. If your wife displeased you, you would kick her to the curb. And for that situation, that was very, very tough because in that day, the man had all the power and all the resources which means there was no splitting of resources during the divorce. She just got what she got, which most time was uh, being a lady who is destitute on the street, which meant the guy had all of the power, which meant the woman had to do everything that he wanted in fear that he would leave her, that he would divorce her. So Paul is really changing the narrative. He's saying, even if your wife displeases you for a little thing, don't divorce her. Or a bigger thing, don't divorce her. Even if it's the corest of core values that you hold, don't divorce her simply because you divide on this issue. And then Paul begins to speak to the women. And if any woman has a husband who is an unbeliever and he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him. And so he says the same thing to ladies. Hey, ladies, listen up. If your husband doesn't share the corest of core values with you, that's not a reason to start looking somewhere else. It's not, not a reason to look away. It's not a reason to go into church and look at this young single man who's a, a devout believer in Christ and think, wouldn't it be better if I was married to him? Wouldn't it be better for the mission if I was married to him? I mean, we could be a great Christian couple and this guy is not really bringing that. Maybe I should just walk away. And Paul says, absolutely not. And this is why. For the unbelieving husband is made holy through his wife and the unbelieving wife is made holy through through her husband. 
Now, what Paul isn't saying here is that by default, if you are married to an unbeliever, that by default they go to heaven because you're a believer. That's not what he's saying. But, but what Paul is saying is that as a Christ follower, you are following Christ, which means you're becoming more like Jesus day in and day out. Right? You are reading the word and seeing how Jesus acted, and then you're living in response to that. You're living like Jesus, which means your spouse should count their lucky stars that they are married to a Christian. Because every day you should be becoming a better spouse, day in and day out, day in and day out, living in sacrificial love towards your spouse. And you actually will be Jesus in that relationship. You'll be a, a walking, talking, kissing Bible in that relationship where you bring Jesus into every segment of that marriage. And over time, Paul knows this, that over time, those who are in closest proximity with us have the most influence over us. And so by you being Jesus in that relationship, day in and day out, then more than likely there's going to be a major impact that is made there. But Paul knows that you don't just impact your spouse. There's others to be impacted. And so he says this, otherwise your children would be unclean. But as it is, they're holy. In the same way, this doesn't mean that, that Paul is saying that just because you're a believer that your kids are automatically saved. He's not saying that. But he's saying is that when you're bringing Christ into every segment of your life, including your parenting, that because you're in close proximity, because you have all this influence over them, that more than likely they're going to follow the path that you have walked. It means that they're going to have the best dad and the best mom possible. They're going to have somebody who lives out Christ's way in their life, in every segment of their life. And they're going to follow in your footsteps. Well, Paul continues. But if the unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. In such a case, the brother or sister is not bound. So Paul says, if this core value becomes an issue, if, if this tension is too much and they decide to walk away, then you're not bound. You don't have to feel guilty. And this is why Paul says this. It is the peace that God has called you. So Paul says, your marriage should be a space and a place of peace. Your marriage should be a place of peace. However, if they walk away, your post-marriage should be a place of peace too. If your spouse divorces you and walks away, that should be still a relationship that's not contentious. It should be a place of peace. And then Paul closes with this. Wife, for all you know, you might save your husband. Husband, for all you know, you might save your wife. See, Paul knows that you can't see the future. You have no idea how the story plays out. You have no idea how this marriage plays out. And Paul says, bring Christ into that relationship. Be Jesus in that relationship. Be a, a walking, talking Bible in that relationship. And let's see what happens. Let's see that maybe that influence, maybe that proximity, maybe that mission field where God has placed you and allowed you to go. Maybe that's the person. Maybe you're the person who helps the spouse that you love so dearly fall in love with the one that you love so dearly. So you're back on your walk and you're walking next to the river and Jesus has just told you this, this great truth. And he looks at you and he stops walking. So you stop walking. And he says, I think it's time to go home. I think it's time for you to go home. 
Go home to your husband. Go home to your kids. And when you go home, love your husband. And when you go home, love your kids. Pour love into the mission field, into the relationship that I have given you. Amen. Stay